HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're exploring interactions from drug studies in a laboratory. If this effect is as big as he's saying, somebody should have discovered this long before he did. To global wisdom on avoiding hangovers. Beber cerveza antes de tomar vino no previene los síntomas. Beer before wine, you're going to be fine. Wine before beer, you're going to be queer. To the novel recipes developed by an Indian American family deep in the heart of Texas. And then my mom's sort of coming to America and learning that uh, white parents love to melt cheese on things to get their kids to eat it. She was like, this is genius. <laughs> Be sure to subscribe to Meat in 3. That's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and we're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, May 8th, 2019. This is the 214th episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a restaurateur with several popular Italian restaurant concepts in New York City, and I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do in every show, I will start out with my PR tip. And then later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to expect change. So it's true, nothing lasts forever. And although we can all get into our routines and think that this is it, this is life, this is how it will be always, it's simply not true. Life will go in different directions and lead us down roads less expected. So rather than fight it, be ready for the new and different, as change is is inevitable, and change can be great. So have no fear, just be ready. That's my tip today. Now, I'm really happy to have my guest here with me in the studio. It is August Cardona, 
He is the co-founder of Epicurean Group, including Laratusi and Unfora and Del Anima, which recently located to Gotham West Market after 11 years on 8th Avenue. As a part of this move, August sold his shares in the business and has moved into an advisory role as three of his longtime employees have taken over the day-to-day operations. August began his career in the finance sector, but an undeniable connection to the hospitality industry and a passion for food and wine led him back to food and beverage. He spent several years at Italian Wine Merchants, where he spearheaded marketing and business development before opening his first restaurant, Dell'Anima, in 2007. August holds a BS in business management from Cornell University with a concentration in food marketing, and he is on several boards, including Wellness in Schools and Heritage Radio Network. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Sherry. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you, and I don't know. I don't. I think you're my first board member I'm having on my show. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's been fun. I've been on the show. I was actually on the show before I was a board member, and then I think I've been on once while I've been a board member. On on a Heritage Radio on show, Her- yeah. Her- 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 when did you join the board? Oh, God. I mean, I it guess was- it's about five years ago or so. I feel, yeah. yeah, I, I think At you've least. been on it since I started doing my show. Yeah. So I would yeah. I would give you five years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's a it's a great board, passionate people as you know, and uh Yeah. I'm uh, honored to be on it. Well, I'm glad you're on it. Yeah. It's great. So let's let's go back to your background a bit. And I, I know you were in finance and you switched to hospitality. So what led you to do that? And did you think growing up that I mean were you a big foodie as a child? Um, I don't think, even though that word probably didn't exist back yeah, then. Yeah, I know. Um, a lot of us don't like the word, but you know what it means when you say a foodie. No, yeah, no. I, uh, yeah, I grew up in the food business. Mm-hmm. Um, so my family's business um, is a specialty store, catering company. It's it's evolved uh, over time. It's still there and, and doing really well. My two brothers run it up in uh, Albany. Oh, Albany, oh okay. York. That's where you grew up. That's yeah. where I grew up. So I, I, I grew up in the food business. It wasn't a restaurant, but, uh, but close enough. And, uh, yeah, I, I went to Cornell. I didn't go to the hotel school, which people obviously, uh, think when they hear, Oh, you went to Cornell, you were in the hotel school. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause I would think that. Yeah. yeah, of course. No, I, uh, and then I went into finance just because I didn't know what I wanted to do at that age. And everybody was kind of going into that, that sector from like out of my friends. Right. And I wanted to make a little money. And, um, but then I found out I was having a child very young. <laughs> and I think that, <laughs> that weirdly enough made me think like, okay, what do you want to, what are you passionate about? What do you really want to do? And at that time it was, it was wine and I had to have the food background. And so that was my first official restaurant job. I mean, I bartended in college, but it's interesting, actually, though, I was thinking when you said about having a kid, somebody in the food business might say, I need to get into finance because I'm having a kid. Get out of this business. It's, it's so funny. You're completely right. And uh, and um, I don't know. I, I looked at it differently. I was like, yeah. I'm not happy in my day to day and I need to start now in what I really wanted. I mean, it wasn't a career for me. I was young. I just, I wanted, I was in a new city. I was in Chicago and I loved it. And it was like, all right, well, but then when you have a child or find out you're having a child at 22, you're like, okay, what the heck am I going to do? And what do I want to do with my life? So you moved from Chicago 
to New York City, and that's when you started at Italian Wine Merchants? Eventually. Something there was, like yeah, there, okay. yeah, yeah, eventually. I actually got a job in a restaurant for three months before I was leaving Chicago because I knew I was like, all right, I'm. What restaurant? <laughs> and and I lived in Chicago from 1995 to 98 and so worked in restaurants. This was in <laughs> this was in 2001. Okay. 2002. Uh it was the opening of Roy Yamaguchi Roy Chef Roy Yamaguchi's oh. Roy's. Oh wow. In Chicago. And um I don't even I I guess it's, there are still Roy's around the world. There are. I'm not sure. But they had this amazing training program, and that was part of the reason why there was like a. Uh, I still have like their training documents, um, and uh, in hindsight, I just wanted to get in the. In hindsight, it was a really, it was a great experience for me. It was three months. That's it. But it, I met some people that I mm-hmm. still keep in touch with, and uh, it was a really great experience for me. Foreshadowing, because. I'm trying to think if she, I don't think Roy's is in Chicago anymore, but I've I've been to a Roy's when I, w- I went to Hawaii several years ago and I went to the one in Honolulu. Yeah. Yeah. And that I think that's, I think that's the original. original. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it's funny. I would I should go to a Roy's because it's like I have these visceral kind of thoughts when I when I think about my time there. Um, there are certain things and and. Uh, I should go back and kind of. Well, that it's a good link, excuse go to go to Hawaii link. if you need oh, one. Yeah, not bad, right? <laughs> uh, so okay, so you moved back here, and then you were at Italian Wine Merchants more working like a love of wine, or that. Yeah, yeah I, I uh, <clears throat> for those two years, it was a, a, a bit of a. Um, I was trying to find my way, and and so yeah, I, I I had worked in my family's business for a bit, and then I came down here. I worked for Eli Zabar for a bit, and then finally I saw a posting or an. A, a, opening at Italian Wine Merchants, and um, I ended up being there for four years, and uh, it was a great experience. I was able to kind of move up, yeah. uh, learn about wine, and also learn about about uh, operations and, and that type of thing. So when when did you know or what prompted you to open your own restaurant? Because that's a big move. Yeah. So at, uh, at Italian Wine Merchants, I met a young guy. I was in, I, by the time I was, toward, I was what, my mid to late 20s, I met a young guy named Joe Campanelli. Who has a show on Heritage Radio Network. Exactly. In the drink. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, a woman named Catherine Lahr, who is now Catherine Thompson, um, who also worked there. Right. And uh, yeah, we, Joe and I had, had beca- we became friends and we always talked about doing something together. We just kind of, um, you know, we got along and, and we had some different skill sets and we always talked about it. And uh, when the chance happened, you know, when I got the chance to open Delanima, which essentially was somebody who I knew who had said, hey, I know this restaurant is, is I know the main investor behind this restaurant. This restaurant's closing. You can maybe get in there. Do you want to open a restaurant? It's a longer story, but but not worth the the detail. And I went, I basically went to Joe and I, and I, he had left Italian wine merchants. He was only there for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Like he was literally 20 I think 21 when he started there. Um, and, and I said, do you want to, do you want to open a restaurant and, and, you know, partner with me and, and you'll be, you know, you'll be there night to night and, and, uh, I'll put all the money together because all my friends <laughs> went into finance and by that time they were making, making good yeah, money. Right. And, um, and we kind of, uh, we needed to find a chef and we tapped, we talked to Catherine. Uh huh who was a pastry chef at Italian wine merchants and, and, uh, 
and she had she had since moved on, but we kept in touch with her, and we were like, hey, you know, this is where I think we're going to do this restaurant, and we just want a simple Italian restaurant and uh, really approachable in a in a neighborhood spot, but like you know, an elevated. Joe's going to put together a great uh, wine program. At that time, I was actually assisting a little bit too because I had I had gotten a, a fair amount of wine knowledge uh, from Italian wine merchants, and Catherine said to me. Um, I have the perfect guy, but I'm like, what? She's like, it's my boyfriend of the last three months. And we're like, oh, Catherine. Come on. She's like, no, no, really. And it was Gabe Thompson. Right. Yeah. It was now her. And they're, they're married. They're, they're married and they're opening kids, their own restaurant. Right? Yeah. Down, yeah, down, yeah. They moved to, you know, they moved to, to where she grew up outside of DC. And, and I think, I think like possibly this week, I mean, they're, they're opening their, their first restaurant outside of. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. So I remember, I'm thinking back to the opening, because I remember when you opened, and you you were, it was just such an instant hit. It was so, you know, from the get-go, my uh, so popular, hard to get in, every, you know, amazing food, amazing wine. Did you, I mean, did you expect that? Yeah, of, co- of, course of course we did. Or? Of course we did. Yeah. No. And I don't even know exactly what to attribute to, except maybe to everything, maybe to the whole package. Well, from... Uh it's the name of the restaurant, right? From the soul. Delanami means like of the soul, from the soul. Yeah. Um, we didn't know what we were doing. That's <laughs> Don't tell sure. anyone. <laughs> that is for sure. I have stories about. Um, and we just put our heart and souls into it. And Joe was, is extremely talented. And Gabe, extremely talented and hardworking. And we all just kind of put it together. Really blood, sweat, and tears. I think um, the fact that we didn't know what we were doing uh, helped. Because I said this over and over, if we knew what we knew now, especially me with what I know now, as far as, mm-hmm. you know, the, the boring stuff, the, the, uh, we just, we wouldn't have done that. I mean, putting that tiny, that kitchen in that tiny little restaurant, open kitchen, you know, uh, but it worked, it worked. And, uh, and, uh, God, I think around that time also, and I just had this conversation recently with somebody cause we're, you know, with us, with us closing and, mo- and moving it, people were like, I still couldn't never get a reservation there. Why, what do you mean you had to close it? You didn't, you weren't. And um, that kind of model of that restaurant, that neighborhood, but ele- ele- I was calling, I call it an you know, elevated neighborhood restaurant experience. Yeah. L- little Owl had opened up right before us. That was right. a similar type of thing where you could go to a, a tiny little spot, neighborhood feel, kind of vibe, cool, you know, hip hop or, or playing, the, but get get the cuisine that was at a, at a, at a, you know, elevated level a wine program that was elevated level and even a service that informal to a certain extent, but like on point right. and elevated. Right. Um, and that's just harder to do now. I was just talking about why I don't close because of all the, that cost money to be able to deliver that service, you know, from the, the what you have to pay the managers to have the wine knowledge and the, and the service knowledge, what you have to pay the, you know, the, the chefs to be able to, and, and, and cooks to be able to produce that type of food and and all these things. So that's another conversation. But you opened, it was in 2007, so it's 12 years. So was the change or the changes gradual you observed or how did the restaurant change over the years? And then, and then how did you get this? What, what prompted you to, to rather than close, move the restaurant to Gotham West Market? Yeah. Well, the restaurant didn't change, you know, that, right. that the, the, we didn't, what we uh, analyzed changing the restaurant to fit what the new kind of business model is. So which was I, what? Which, 
Well, so, you know, if you look at a P&L and a restaurant P&L, and this is the boring stuff, but I've had this conversation over and over because so many people were like, why did you close? What do you mean you were so busy still? You know, there's only a certain amount of things that you have to, that you have to, uh, uh, concentrate on. And your when your occupancy ex- expense, your rent expense is going up 3% every year. And then you get to the end of your lease and the landlord's going to increase it, you know, mm-hmm. even 15%, but we were looking at a 30% increase. And my landlord, I've said this over is a great guy. I have, I don't fault him for it. Um, but also the la- the labor increases, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it just, um, and again, people need to make money in this city and I have no problem with that at all. It just, it just means we couldn't operate that business any longer or, or we decided not to. There was other factors in there, of course. Right. And, um, and why we, why we decided to move it. And that was somewhat of chance, uh, is because of the model that got the West market works. It, I mean, that's it. Simple. They're still doing Delanima up there. They really are. And it's working. Um, and the model's different. So they're, they're making, they're, from a business perspective, it's, it's, really, it's really working for them. And I'm so happy, I'm so happy because. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I, I live a little bit north of, uh, I'm by Columbus Circle. Sure. So um, I was actually going to go by last night and then my flight was three hours late getting in. So I didn't Mine make it too. last night. Yeah. So, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to go down there. I've been to Gotham West Market a couple of times and. I think it's I think it's great. I think it's um you know, it's a it's a it's a new model for a lot having these food ha- food halls. I I yeah. think and I think from my memory of Gotham West Market was really one of the first like really cool new food halls that yeah. opened and then since then there's been there's been many that have mm-hmm. come into the city. So it's it's like the OG <laughs> I, I spoke, I, that whole just quick backstory yeah. of that, um, I was speaking to Andrew, our chef who's been with us for nine, you know, was with us for nine years for probably a year prior to us closing. Cause our lease had ended and then the, my landlord was letting us go month to month. And I was like, listen, Andrew, this, this doesn't make sense anymore to continue to run whenever he pulls the plug on us, which he, you know, he, I knew I had probably six to six to 12 months to, to, to be able to go month to month. I was like, but if you want to run it yourself, here, here's all, this is the economics and uh-huh. you can cut this and you can cut this and you don't need the, the kind of infrastructure that Epicurean cap, you know, like that we bring to the table and you could run it yourself. And, but that's a whole nother thing. Now he no longer has the facilities manager to count on and like back office and you know, all this, this stuff. Right. And he was, you know, he wanted to in his heart, but, but it was very hard, I think for him to wrap his head around. And then when, and so we were going to just close it and we were all sad. And then when this, then the thing came on, the opportunity came, which was really just like a, somebody was meeting with me to talk to me about some other things. And, uh, and somebody forced me actually to take the meeting. They're like, he's a good guy and he is, I'm glad I took it. But, um, at the end of the meeting, he was like, I also represent, you know, Gotham West market and they're looking for somebody to take over the L, you know, Seamus Mullen uh space. And I knew that space. I saw the market. And I went and I, 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 after that meeting, I went back to my office and I did some math because I said, send me, well, I said, send me the documents, send me like the, the, you know, what the, the yellow or the, um, you know, the key points of the deal. And I just did the, did the back of the envelope kind of analysis of it. And I went to Andrew and I said, listen, this isn't like as sexy as your own, like standalone restaurant, but this makes sense. 
from a business perspective and you could still do, we can, you know, you can keep on going with this thing. And then it just snowballed into, and he was like, well, I'd want Danny, who is our general manager, who has been with us for eight years to be on board. And then I was going to kind of be on board as a silent, just, and then my like right hand guy of the last six years, Jacob was, uh, again, we were just kind of talking about something and I was like, you should do this. Like you should do this. I'll help, but you should be the guy, the business guy. Right. And they all, and it, and they're killing it. I'm glad it, I'm glad it's worked out, and I'm yeah. glad your finance background comes into hand, comes in handy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? People don't realize that they are businesses at the end yeah. of the day. Okay, we're going to take a little break here, and we'll come back talk more with August. So stay with us. This is all in the industry on Heritage, Heritage Radio Network. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's Central Coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Argus Cardona. He's the co-founder of Epicurean Group, which includes Lair Tusi and Fora and Del Anima, which we were just talking about how it moved to Gotham West Market. So let's talk about your other restaurants, because when did you know or when, how did Restaurant 2 and then Restaurant 3 come about? So... For those of you who have been to Del Anima, for those of you who have not been to Del Anima, I should say, um, the original Del Anima, the kitchen is right there. And there's the French flat top, the jade flat top, and there's about you know 32 inches, and then there's the low boy, and the, it's, it's, it's a hard place for a chef to work. And there's no expediting per se, right? Like, like the expediter is kind of the food runner because the main chef is on, is on the line. Right. Anyway, after a year of cooking there, Gabe, my <laughs> original partner chef... Was basically like, uh, you need to find. Actually, it was after six months, and he was like, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to do this. <laughs> I mean, he was half joking, but yeah. and we were having success, and we were like, you know, we should start looking around. I mean, we were young and stupid. We learned a little bit, and uh, we were like, yeah, let's do this next thing. And so we started looking for a space to do with a proper kitchen to do, uh, I guess, a more mature project. You know, and give Gabe. I mean, he only had so so much to work with and so um in terms of equipment and so he his menu was dictated by the equipment that he had and he wanted to to do more and stretch his legs and he had proven to uh, you know he was like we were yeah. busy we were doing great we were you know it, it looked like it was going in the right direction so we started looking for a um a second space 
And uh, that's how yeah. simple it was. Yeah. I was I was thinking I, I, I do a lot of solo dining and that setup though at Delanima is that is great for a solo diner if you can get one of those seats, right? I mean I it, it's I, I used to sit on that on that <laughs> and be like, We fig I, like this was we didn't know what we were doing, but yeah, this it's a great place to sit, eat by yourself. Yeah. Uh and it's a great restaurant, but it's we needed a proper kitchen. So so you found the space Lertuzzi was next. Yeah, Lertuzzi was next. And that's, I saw, what, over 100 seats. I mean, it's a big restaurant. Yeah, it's about 120 seats, give or take. Um, and again, like the thing with that, it was mid-block, you know, across the street from a police station. And the rent was was pretty good for the West Village. The West Village is started to, was starting to come, come, come right. up for sure. And, um, there was a, a restaurant there already, uh, that was, that had closed. And, um, and so the, it all seemed to make sense and we were like, all right, let's do it. We didn't know enough not to do it. And, uh, it came, it happened quickly. We, I, I still, the time frame is crazy because I'm like, we opened Delanima October, 2007 and we opened Lartuzzi December of 2008. And I'm like, did we really do that? Wow. That's I started tight. raising money from like in Jan- I was like, oh my God. Um, but we knew we had a, t- and Gabe was great and, and, and Joe was great and it was happening. And so, we were so like, how did you come up with the concept for that? Cause you've always done, you've stuck with under the Italian umbrella, but you didn't want it to be, I'm assuming like a Delanima too. Yeah. No, well we, we say Italian inspired. So Gabe was always so, uh, um, was insecure about calling it Italian because he was like, it's not, you know, it's just, it's Italian, but I'm just cooking the way I'm just making delicious food. And, and, you know, he used chili flakes a lot. He's from Texas and he was like, just salt, heat and acid. And I just want big flavors. And I want, so, you know, when we started getting like around the, getting serious around the marketing and all, and we had a brand mission we were like Italian inspired is what we're calling it. Um, but yeah, it's an Italian restaurant. And the second concept, um, it was really just a bunch of meetings and us talking about kind of how we wanted the diner to be able to experience this restaurant. Um, that was the menu setup was that way where it was just kind of five different categories, but you mm-hmm. could, you know, in the, it was, it's, you know, the crudo, right. which was a, was, was something Gabe wanted to do a crudo section. Um, but you can get a appetizer and an entree or you can, and it, it kind of turned out to be a sharing situation, which still to this day. And I think, that forced people to be convivial and, and kind of share and talk about the food and and uh, the wine program was was where at Delanima it was um, all Italian wine and it was focused like focusing on on grapes varietals the kind of esoteric grape varietals where on this one he wanted to do more focus on like the regional kind of differences between the wine uh, the the wines and that was that part yeah. of that and uh, and then we had. Uh, our opening general manager, a guy named Kevin Gary, who's going to be coming back in the mix. Um, that's another story. He uh, he just set the stage with uh, with the service and the and the um, just kind of, you know people yeah. should come in here and have a great time. And our mission was to uplift the spirit. We just strive yeah. to uplift the spirit. And that's well, what also, we also from my memory, I mean, uh, an instant hit, like popular, hard to get into. From the get-go. It was, it was. People don't realize this, though. And this is a perfect example of, like, you know, reviews and what. We, we got we got panned big time in all of our reviews, which was yeah, crazy. I don't, see, that part I don't remember. Nobody remembers <laughs> it. Nobody remembers it. 
I remember. I feel, I mean, the site Infatuation, I believe, has always been a fan. Infatuation It's like it comes up on every list if I go to that site. They've been so good to us. It's a good date place. It's a good solo place. It's good good for everything. I like to think that they're geniuses for noticing (laughs) us. Nobody else did. Um, No, the critical reviews were bad. Uh, But that's... You know, you, that but doesn't the, mean it's going to be a, a yeah. you know, it's a bad restaurant. Right. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, uh, and, but Delanima, Delanima and Lartuzzi were a little different in that Lartuzzi took a little more time and it's just continued to just continue to go up and up yeah. and up and up. Um, whereas Delanima was like really like instant, instant. And, right. um, and then it, it kind of plateaued. Yeah. And then, and then you soon opened Anfara. Yeah. Yeah. Very closely after that. Um, and that was more for, you know, that was something Joe wanted to stretch his legs, I think a bit with the wine program. Right. And, um, but really again, honest, I mean, like be an open book, like the space next door to Delanima was a, uh, was, was a real estate o- in the office. And then we, um, we knew it went on the market and then we had heard that there was another person going to maybe put a wine bar in there. And we were like, we're not having another wine bar next to Delanima. So it prompted you to. So, yeah. <laughs> so we kind of snuck in there okay. and luckily enough yeah. our landlord at Delanima grew up with the landlord of Anfora and he put in a good word for us and uh that concept was really you know that was Joe wanting to you know Joe's always been ahead of the game on uh on on kind of what's the next thing and and uh natural wine was a big deal for him and orange orange wines and natural wines and and so that was the basis of the concept there yeah, for sure. It's ahead of the curve on that a bit. I mean, yeah. it's become more popular now. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So let me ask you, I have a question from my guest on episode 212 for you. I had on Hunter Lewis. He's the editor-in-chief of Food & Wine magazine. Mm-hmm. So we're going to play back his question for you. What I would ask August is, um, especially in, in a city like New York, um, what are the the things that an Italian restaurant uh, needs to do to stand out uh, among the competition? There's so many great Italian restaurants. Um, what are the you know what are the keys to making sure that um, the restaurants and and his group stand out? You know, and are the kinds of places that, that people come back to over and over and over again? You know, is it a particular brand of hospitality? Is it a particular brand of culture? Is it um, you know, uh, a, a style of pasta that, that nobody else makes, um, or is it all those things, you know, but I think, um, especially if you're in an Italian restaurant in this incredible dining city, you know, h- yeah. how do you stand out? How do you stand out? Hmm. Well, first of all, it's a two part kind of answer. I mean, honestly, you, you, you just have to not be bad in this city. Let me explain that <laughs> when you're an Italian restaurant. One of the good things about being an Italian restaurant in New York City is people love Italian food. Mm-hmm. And, and in, in America in general, there are a lot of bad Italian restaurants that are good businesses, obviously, in, in the city that have been around a long, long time. They just do, you know, they mm-hmm. do something, uh, um, something good. For us, as it relates to us, um, it... it, it flavorful like uh craveable italian food was 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 a real driver for us we have people especially at lartuzzi that will 
experience that restaurant in different ways and therefore come in three, four, I mean, some people six, seven times a month, um, whether they're solo dining at the bar or they're uh, in for a business dinner or they're bringing in their their family on the weekend. Um, so being able to, and I, I think the food really, like the craveable food that you can eat, eat you know, more than more than once is uh, is important for for us. Uh, and then, as I said earlier, you know, we always talked about um, uplift the spirit. Like so, that that and that can go across the board, right? Uh, it can be the food, uh, it can be the service, um, in terms of like the warm hospitality. Uh, it can be the people watching, you know. Um, that's by creating creating a, a fun scene and a vibe, um, and so. So in one hand, I don't think Ita- I think Italian restaurants, if you're comparing it to another cuisine, a more esoteric cuisine, you don't have to do as much to, to necessarily succeed in New York City because people love Italian restaurants. How do you separate yourself from the other Italian restaurants? You, you got to do it all. I mean, for us, right. for us anyways, you have to do it all. You have to do it all well. And I, I hope to, I like to think um, that we're able to kind of execute and, and, uh, and deliver the full guest experience. If you want to. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how we stand that's out. That's a good answer. Yeah. Do you want to open more restaurants? It's a good question, Sherry. Um, so I want to be a part. I, I would, I would, I would like to be, I'd, I'm happy to be a part of, um, of more restaurants into the future. I've learned something over the last 12 years. I'm sure. You had mentioned re- restaurant tour, right? And I, 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 I used to correct people when they used to say that to me. Um, I understand, I get it. I, I, you know, this is what I've done for the last, uh, 12 years of my life and I've owned and operate restaurants and I've, you know, learned a fair amount about that. I have a specialized knowledge of that, but I've always just, I've always said I'm, I'm more of an entrepreneur and, and, uh, and, um, more on the business side of that. I think there's other people that I would classify as restaurateurs that look different, that look differently than me that are more involved. And, that, right. and let me explain that they're, they're more involved in the day to day business, you know? Of, of running it on a day, on a day, the operations, the, the, when the curtains up the, the service basically, um, that's not, that's not, I'm not as much as by choice, completely by choice. Um, you know, I found what I like, what I'm good at, and I can apply that to more restaurants. I'm not going to be the driving force like I had or, or you know, not just me, but, mm-hmm. um, in, in, in doing more personally. I have other, I have other, some other things that I want to, uh, still in the food, in the food right. business and, okay. and uh, that I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, be searching into. So I, I guess the answer is don't be surprised if I'm involved in a, in, in one or more restaurants into the future. Um, but it's, it's not where I'm going to put my focus on the next, uh, next stage of my career. We have to, we yeah. have to evolve your PR tip. We have to change yeah. and evolve and we have to follow our passion and that's what i'm trying to do yeah i think you are doing it and i'll call you an entrepreneur from now on no it's, <laughs> i used to be like well i'm not a restaurantor but yeah i mean well, of course a couple i restaurants, I, though, yeah, I yeah yeah no of yeah. course of course um no yeah. of course i hope i hope you yeah i i i appreciate that i, I love that um but uh yeah but stay anyway. tuned for what's next yeah 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 cool Okay, we're going to take another break. We're going to come back. We're going to play my speed round game and talk some industry news. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network.
Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. I'm Patrick Martins. I'm Brandon Hoy. And I'm Emily Pearson. Together we host The Main Course OG, where we cover food news and culture. Browse episodes of The Main Course OG wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is August Cardona. It's time for my speed round game. So I'm going to name a couple things and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. That's how the game goes. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat in. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? <laughs> Depends on what mood I'm in. Uh, wine, if I had to pick one. Okay. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? <laughs> You're going we fast get, there. We've got to go all-inclusive. <laughs> it's the only way things are, are going to work into the future. But your restaurants aren't all-inclusive. No, but we got to go that okay. way. Okay. Danny, Danny would be very happy. Danny it's got to go that way, eventually. Okay, we'll see. Everybody, listen. Restaurant owners, we all have to go <laughs> that way. How about a uh, pasta or a pizza? Pasta. Fire Island or the Hamptons? Fire Island's my happy place. Yeah, I, I thought you were gonna go with that. I, I, I knew that somehow. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a special place for us, my, me and my family. Cool. Two more. I have cheese plate or dessert. Cheese plate. I would have said dessert years ago. I'm. I'm. You've moved on to cheese. I think so. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't like cheese when I was growing up. Like my mom. That's a. It's a long story. My mom loved cheese, and we owned an Italian import store yeah. with a lot of cheese, and I never would eat it. And now I. Love and now you want a cheese yeah. plate. Yes. Things change. Things change. <laughs> Things exactly. Change. Okay, last one's Manhattan or Brooklyn. Manhattan. Yeah, I know it's not cool, but Hang and on. I and I've it's lived cool. in, I've lived in you know, I lived in Bushwick for I'm, I get it. Yeah, it's it's Manhattan for me. All right. Yeah. Excellent. That's the game. Yeah. Thank you. Did I do all right? <laughs> you did great. I all love right. hearing ans- the answers because they're <laughs> always different. So uh, the reason I got in late last night was I was at the James Beard Awards in Chicago. What are those? Well, it's the Academy Awards (laughs) in the food world. Uh, Took place at the Lyric Opera of Chicago. It was fifth year in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been going every year, my my annual trip back to Chicago. And actually this year, uh, I've been covering the the awards on my show in Mm -hmm. the press mezzanine, but I had a red carpet pass this year. And I, I did interviews with a video camera. I did this whole thing. So I'm going to turn it into something, some show. But oh. the only downside of that experience was... That I wasn't it, there? Okay, there are two <laughs> downsides. You weren't there, and it was about 45 degrees. Oh. And it was cold to be in a, in a cocktail dress. <laughs> well, I'm sure you but, pulled it off. Thank you. It was, it was fun. It was exciting. I really, I, I like going to the... 
the awards and celebrating with everyone. So yeah. um, did you look at the list? Do you know anything about I, I I had a chance to look and, and see see what happened. Yeah, for sure. Any 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 I don't know, thoughts on it or any surprises or think people you're happy for or yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I, uh, I don't, I don't, uh, follow this side of the industry all that, all right. that much. I, d- I definitely don't. I'll be completely honest with you. I, um, I think it's great that we have something like the James Beard to, to that kind of stands itself out. Like you said, like the Oscars mm-hmm. and, uh, and it can celebrate, uh, super talented people in, in our industry and really put a, a spotlight on those people. Um, and, uh, but I don't, I don't necessarily. So you're not, yeah, no, it's interesting because I think there, there are some restaurateurs or chefs and people who really pay a lot of attention to these lists yeah. and really want to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, uh, um, so some of, I was, is it, uh, who's the bake? Wade, um, we, no, Greg his Wade? last name is Wade. Greg, Greg Wade from, uh, Republican one yeah. for uh, outstanding baker. Well, like I was reading some of his parts of his speech, and and you know I was doing my my recap, and uh-huh. um, it makes me happy. You know, it makes me happy to hear people using this platform to to speak about you know some uh, some real issues that are looks like heading in the right direction uh, with yeah. the industry. So I agree. I was happy about that. Yeah, I I think one uh, there was an article in Eater that she pointed out some some of the the facts, I guess, from the winners, but she had in it how 10 out of 16 of the awards that went to people were went to women or people of color. So, and since last year, the, the list, the, it has gotten a lot more diverse than it was when many years ago. And I think, I think people are very supportive of diversity and seeing that. And there was a um, Kwame, I never know how to pronounce his last name on on Wachi. He's from Keith and Kin in DC yeah. and he got a uh, rising star chef, which was, which was great. He's, he's had a good spring. He's got a lot of accolades and Mashama Bailey, who I did a little interview with her. She's, um, she's down in Savannah and she got best chef Southeast. I've never, never been to Savannah, but it's like on my list and you should go. It's great. You've been, yeah. have you been yeah. to a restaurant? I, so funny. I've only been there for uh, a wedding. So okay. My, my meals were controlled. Got it. But uh, but it's just a great town. Yeah. But yeah, I, I <clears throat> my cousin um, had started a film festival last year. Uh, launched the first one called the Tide Film Festival. It's in, it's in Brooklyn, and it's uh, for you know people of <clears throat> basically a first film festival for people of color. Yeah. And uh, it was a tremendous success in its first year, and 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 there's there's some real good momentum going for for year two, and and uh, you know she had asked me to be on the board of it and similar to heritage like i don't know anything about film you just bring bring kind of your your insights and whatnot one thing i said to her you know i'm i'm a white male right and i can't begin to um to, to even understand i i know that i've i have certain privileges that i can't even understand because i don't understand the perspective of of not being who right. i am and so um I am the father of two two daughters, uh, and I am very very happy to see the change in the Me Too movement, um, in, in our industry and in general. I think, uh, um, and as it relates to to uh, diversity 
uh, and seeing people um, of color win awards that that just weren't there in the past. Right. It's supposed to be this way. I mean, our industry is built on on that, and uh, and and we need to be you know those people yeah. people need to be celebrated. Um, uh, so so I'm happy to see that happening. Uh, like I said, I can't begin to speak about. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I like, I don't know. I, 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 I think, I think the, the list and the people who won or people nominated was very diverse and, and all different types of restaurants too. I mean, Frenchette ended up winning the best new restaurant here in New York and it was up against Automix and they're both amazing restaurants, very different, but it was, it was cool to see them win too. Cause those guys, uh, they're from Keith McNally's yeah. restaurants in yeah. Mineta, and this was their first their first project on their own, and it's definitely an industry favorite. So, um, yeah, I was I was I like being there. I like I'm gonna go back. I missed being in the press mezzanine. Sometimes you miss some of the speeches because I was interviewing people as they came in, mm-hmm. and so I'm gonna go back this weekend and watch the whole thing again online because yeah, yeah, yeah. I the speeches are are always so heartwarming because I feel it it means so much for when 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 people are recognized for their work yeah you know? yeah and I think that opportunity really is is something that we there needs to be more opportunity and I think when you are able you know when you when people who are looking to maybe get in this industry who normally wouldn't necessarily choose it and then you see accolades being given to mm-hmm. and and uh, I think I can only you know it, it spurs like okay maybe I maybe I can do that maybe I want right. to do that and that's yeah. a great thing yeah so. it does so congratulations to everyone and uh yeah you go to the website James Beard Foundation's website and read all about the winners lots of pictures there too okay we're gonna take one more break we're gonna come back I'm gonna do my solo dining experience this is all in the industry on Her- Heritage Radio Network Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it's time for my solo dining experience. So this week, it's at Sushi San. Here's the rundown. The location, 63 West Grand Avenue in River North, neighborhood of downtown Chicago, Illinois. The concept, it's a lettuce-entertain-you sushi restaurant, sourcing and serving the best ingredients in the world, they say on their website. And they get daily deliveries from Japan's Toyosu Fish Market. So the owners and partners, it's the Melmans, it's Chef Doug Saltis, and Master Sushi Chef Kaze Chan. So why did I go? Says, I was in town for the James Beard Awards and I needed a quick meal before my flight home. It's sushi, it's Doug Saltis, it's near my hotel. For all those reasons, I went. So my experience, I went, they have an express lunch. So I went as a walk-in. I sat at what they call the hand roll bar. I ordered, I ate, I was on my way in 30 minutes. It was a quick meal. What did I get? So this express lunch, you have some options. 
I picked the Tuna Trio Sun Specialty and the Miso Salmon Rice Bowl. It came with miso soup and salad. My take, it was a perfect, it was a perfect quick sushi lunch. Everything, everything I like, simple. I mean, I'll, I eat more, I guess you'd say exotic type sushi, but I can certainly go with the tuna and the salmon and it was super fresh and I really enjoyed it. So my take, um, that's my take. Don't want to repeat that again. Okay, the ambiance. It's stylish yet casual sushi restaurant. It has hip hop music playing. It has a very large sushi bar and various table options. I would say it's perfect for a solo lunch or a group meal or even a date at night, I'd say. Um, it would be good for all of the above. Interesting tidbit. Lettuce Entertain You was founded in 1971. Today has over 120 restaurants, including RPM Steak, RPM Italian, Ramen San, and Big Bowl. Personal fun fact. So I know Chef Doug Saltis from his days working in New York City. He was last at Restaurant Country. My client, Eric Bruner Yang of Brothers and Sisters in D.C., actually teamed up with him for one night over the weekend. They did a pop-up, a night market pop-up at Sushi San on Monday night at the late night after the awards and I, I popped by there on while well, I was doing the after party circuit and also another fun fact is Doug's brother is um, Michael Saltis and he is a what I would say is basically a chef agent and he came on my episode 28 so you can go back to the archives and listen to that so a lot of Saltis stuff Okay, the cost of my meal was $16. That's not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes, I'd like to try other things there. Their website is sushisanrestaurant.com. Did you ever know? Do you know the Saltises? Doug well, Saltis? I definitely know the name, and I feel yeah. like I do know. He's from what? New York. I mean, country was where he was, and then he got involved with Let Us Entertain You and has worked at... He's now a managing partner with yeah. the RPM restaurants. and. Oh, that's why I know the name. Because yeah. my my original chef, Gabe Thompson, went when he moved to D.C., he worked for RPM. He oh. worked for Doug. Okay. He, he was running RPM and now is opening his first. Small world. And you said in D.C., right? In D.C. The RPM in D.C. Oh. Hired Gabe to run. He was the sh- exact, well, I guess his title was, ex- yeah, he was executive chef reporting to Doug, I think. I knew that name yeah. sounded familiar to me. Yeah, like, that's, have I met him? It's all full circle. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I, I don't know Doug, okay. but I, I, I know that Gabe. Yeah, know. and I didn't realize until this trip that they had, this is a newer concept for them, the Sushi-san concept. Because I, and I didn't know Let Us Entertain You now had so many restaurants, over it's 120. A, that's ridiculous. It's an amazing organization. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Okay, so it's time for the final question. So my next guest is Brett Martin. He is a correspondent and food critic at GQ Magazine, and his best new restaurant list came out a couple weeks ago, so we'll be talking about that. But August, what would you like to ask Brett? Hi, Brett. Um, so I was, I was thinking about um, how often... Friends of mine are just regular diners. Um, will read reviews of restaurants and then go to the restaurant because it got a, a, a high score, or you know, mm-hmm. and then and be disappointed, um, and always ask, you know, I'm not sure, I don't get it. And a lot of the times, if I know the restaurant and I know the person, and I, I realize well, they're just 
it's a miscommunication kind of a situation. They they just are looking at something um, with a, a high rating, a good rating, as positive, or they heard it got a good review. They don't know what that means necessarily, um, or they read the view and um, and then they're disappointed because they're expecting something different or they're not sure. So I guess my question to Doug is how how much of uh, or, uh, his Brett, Brett yeah. sorry, that's okay. How much of his like what? How much does he take into consideration his audience in in terms of who he's writing a critique for, per se, right? Like, and do they does he ever? Do they ever like uh, think about um, more specifically getting into if you are you know this type of person? And I don't know how you can say it necessarily, but like uh, if you're a chef, you'll enjoy this restaurant because of X Y Z. If you're you know looking for this, I just don't find that that reviews often um, will talk about the restaurant, the food, or the service, or but it won't necessarily uh, I don't know. If, go into who they're writing it for because right it's it's not yeah so people um I mean, the whole point of a, of a review is to let certain people know about the restaurant and i think oftentimes people are disappointed because of a positive review but is the critic really writing for do they are they writing for a chef that they know is going to come in there and think it's good or another industry person or the general masses or an intelligent diner and uh, and I don't know has he ever thought about 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 how yeah. his a review will be received in that way yeah not the greatest question I'm sorry no it is it's it's I mean I'm, I'm I'll be <laughs> interesting to see how he answers it I, I mean he it's it's for GQ magazine so I don't but I don't know how you know, their readership or who, and if it is taken into consideration, like who, who's reading this, right? Like who or or versus the people who subscribe to the magazine versus the people maybe who just might pick up an issue because it's in the new best restaurant. Yeah, I guess, of the, you know, just to read that one issue. My my, I have a friend, a very close friend, who's a brilliant guy and who's in branding, and, and he every time we'll have like it in a discussion, we're like, oh, well, hold on, let's let's frame this, let's let's set some parameters, and so I guess that's the question is like, when you're writing a review, when you're at a, a, a restaurant experience, do you say, well, let me frame this here, you know, I know certain people that would really love this restaurant for X Y Z, and I know certain people that wouldn't get this restaurant. Does that is that is that being taken into consideration when you ultimately you write the review of the restaurant? What's the you know so. Uh, that's something that's. I'm gonna find out. Yeah, people, are, you're, have, you're gonna have to tune in and hear how he answers this question that we'll play back for five minutes of the show. No, it's awesome. You definitely have to edit that question <laughs> for sure. It's great. Thank you so much. Uh, I really enjoyed chatting with you. I'm impressed with everything you've done in the industry, and I look forward to seeing whatever you do next. Thanks, Sarah. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on here. Oh, well, thank you, thank so you. Much. and thank you for being a part of Heritage Radio. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, same to you. Thank you. <laughs> so my guest today has been August Cardona. He's the co-founder of Epicurean Group, which includes Leartusi, Amphora, and Delanima. You can go to their websites, delanima.com, leartusi.com, amphoranyc.com, and epicurean.info. It's uh, basically the same handles on social media, and you can follow August, if you want, at August Cardona, and you can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry, and my website's BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. 
All of our shows are archived at heritageradionetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Thanks to my engineer today, Amanda, and thanks again to August. I will be back next week with another live show. I hope you will tune in then, and thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. <laughs>